Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint, Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. Welcome to Fix It in the Mix, the podcast about the real music business. As always, I'm your host, Chris Thayer. And for today's final episode of season one, I'm sitting down with Gino Mateo. Those of you who don't know Gino Mateo, he is a very talented songwriter, an amazing guitar player, and a staple within the blues world. Uh, We actually started talking instantly as soon as I plugged the mics in, so we're just going to pick up right where we started. What people see, like on VH1 when they used to have those shows, or yeah. um, on any sort of even internet thing, um, is you're getting sort of a sanitized, um, like a a, a very uh, almost scripted. You mean like behind the music? Yeah, any of that kind of okay. stuff. Um, you're you're getting what the labels want you to see, even if it's, if it's like tragic and you know, mm-hmm. the drama, yeah, yeah. it's like, come on, we're savvy enough to know. It's at so this romanticized. Point. And it, oh, so a lot of sound effects. And, yeah. Nobody is talking about the stuff that we deal with daily. Yeah. When we're trying to, to, you know, yeah, just get gigs. It's a weird, it's gigs. a weird thing when like, I, I, not that I, I, I think of, uh, obviously not in you know experienced any huge modicum of success but when people perceive you as something that you're uh, that you know you're, you're you're doing well you have your guitar player you're on the scene you're making money but the truth is i'm fucking three months late on rent like yeah it's just i got a gig this this saturday for some real shit i got a gig right. this saturday in yuma arizona at a blues festival and i don't have the gas to get there uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to like fucking pull the band and then pay them back or, or something i don't know but like it's just shit, yeah it's, man. Shit, it's constant shit like that like but that's not rare that's the no, crazy no no it's just that i'm 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 not a fucking I'm, i don't have any business sense or logistic like i just my brain won't fucking act normal and what I, you know, I need like you ever you ever seen uh, that documentary uh, like uh, Supermensch? Mm-mm. It's a documentary Mike Myers produced about this manager, this who was out, this guy named um, fuck, I forgot his name, but he they, they, oh f- Shep Shep Gordon Shep Gordon that Shep sounds something. familiar Shep something I think. Anyways, he was a fucking like amazing manager, <laughs> and he just knew how to make Alice Cooper palatable and right. how, how to let him do what he wanted to do and there's you know i'm on the hunt for a fucking super manager who recognizes that jade is dope right and that you know we're tourable and we we I, all i want to do is tour that's all i want to do you know yeah and yeah i, and I that's do i do trick, tour man. a lot i tour a lot but i'll you know touring under your own steam is a lot different than than being an employee. You oh know yeah. What I mean? Oh yeah. So well, and having somebody make the calls and and deal with all the the bullshit. Is well, yeah. It's 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 more it's a it's, dream. It's more about it's more than like well you got to do it yourself. Well, yeah, I, I would if I genuinely had any I fucking idea how. Right. Right. You know. That's the ugly reality of being a musician who isn't in the machinery or what machinery that's left. 
because there yeah, really no. isn't much left no of of the music industry you know no. it's well it's all it, it is all diy it all it is all do it yourself it's just it, it, it's made for like guys who are really good at everything like like right. who have who, who have social media knowledge and like you, you have to to be a musician you also have to be a graphic designer and a, an events coordinator and yeah. this this is not just getting on stage and playing guitar you have to be an office manager you have to be a fucking uh, a payroll guy you got like it's fucking insane and it's it's starting a small business <laughs> and you think i want to play guitar right right that's what the fucking like that's what you think you're getting into and it's it's genuinely not that unless you meet super shimp or or mensch or the amazing right, amazing right. manager or someone who could push you you know yeah it's it's um i'm just speaking little, for myself no no yeah. it's absolutely discouraging watching so many of my friends that are super talented and um don't necessarily want anything to do with the business <clears throat> business side of it yeah watching them not get their propers is hard it's hard yeah i've um, seen a lot of friends of mine who were who should have been a lot better off than they were and always broke my heart and um and that's but the thing is the talent thing is is completely subjective yes you know um so a lot you know a lot of times i feel like saying you know, the new kids today, they don't have the talent the old guys had. I think that's kind of a, a cop-out. A little bit. You know, because, like, they fucking, they do. They have different just, talents. They have different talents. And also, now the manager isn't the guy who's the innovative guy. Like, we keep going back to this. I, I Watch this documentary. It's called Super, Super Mensch or something like that. But we keep going back to this guy because... Ma like managers today will, are, are getting you to force yourself into the machine right. but a guy like him was like let's build you a machine i you know i come back to um chance the rapper uh -huh. i don't know anything about chance the rapper okay but the dude is completely a self-made man yeah you know um and that's why I like insane clown posse yeah. even though i can't really i don't really dig their music you know but like insane clown posse is completely in-house dave matthews band same yeah still yeah in-house yeah um and as much as i i want to say someone like billy eilish yeah is she she and her brother um started out that way mm -hmm. um but i think what happened is one of the labels like interscope got a hold of them and then completely fashioned her into this marketable thing yeah and uh but i mean the reality is they recorded those that album that just won five Grammys their in bedroom. their bedrooms. Yeah, their bedrooms. You know, I saw I saw that video online of them like breaking down oh, bad God. guy. It's cool. That's how that's how music is made nowadays. Yes, and actually, you know, that's how arranging has always been done. But like, right, right. But um, Billie Eilish, I, I think she's fucking dope. Uh, I don't like the vocal fry. I hope to hear her sing more. Right. And hear her do another a different style because if she can. I uh, she I think she's got it in there. I mean, I, th I, I, don't I think know. she's you know I, I I think she's got a voice in there, but it's not definitely not a distinctive voice. The distinctive part of it is the weird part. The yeah. you know the yeah that's the part that jumps out at you. So that's what they're capitalizing on. Well, and it's very clear that as talented as she may be, um, her brother is is twice as talented as a producer slash arranger slash you know you know because they try shit they absolutely that song try bad shit. guy has that breakdown at the end that, that means that goes it, it is not related at all musically it's no fucking way off the wall shouldn't be in a pop song no absolutely not. a pop song should not have that kind of shift to it right a two three minute pop song but it does and it doesn't give a fuck this is america had a similar thing at the end it had a big like we know when he's running through the tunnel you know yeah uh, and uh it's a similar thing where it's it's like you know people who don't give a fuck have to figure out a way to get past the people who give so many fucks yeah <laughs> yeah man it's for for me the the big hang up i'm having is um like I go to Guitar Center, I don't know, a year ago, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking I'm going to update my recording setup. 
and I'm going to buy a couple of new interfaces because mm-hmm. I want to record 16 channels. Mm-hmm. And the kid behind the counter looks at me like, we don't have anything where you can record more than two or three channels. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't have yeah. an eight channel interface. How is that possible? Yeah. It's like, nobody buys eight channel anymore. All you need is two channels. Yeah. You know, a guitar and a vocal or just one channel because you're layering everything. And I'm yeah. like, there has to be somebody still recording bands. Oh, th- there's tons of people still recording bands, but, but, but not t- the low level guys. No, no. And you got to go step up to yeah. a huge, you know, expensive setup. Yeah. And, and you're paying money in those studios. Hmm. The, the writing was kind of on the wall for me at that point. I'm like, holy shit. Like yeah. we've had a seismic shift in the in the recording business, yeah, yeah. let alone the music business. Well, I, I did the the last record that I put out under my own name. Uh, we did it completely in here, and right, we did right. it all right here, and um, with two, a two channel interface. We, yeah, and we we recorded the it was we did it live, and then we overdubbed you know some right. pieces, but um, it, it's. You don't need a studio anymore. Like the the Foo Fighters figured this out twenty years ago. Like there's an old clip of like of Dave Grohl on, on like the Dennis Miller show on HBO, the old one, and he's talking about like, yeah, you don't need any of that shit. Just put up some mics and go. And it, we yeah. got we got a Grammy, and I was like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The giant pretentious room, and there's some. I mean, like I just recorded a record last year at uh, East West in mm-hmm. L.A. Oh yeah, with Ocean Way, you know, and. Um, it was, it's like a history museum. I could never dream of like actually paying to record there because right. I don't think I don't, it would be a waste of money unless I was doing something that needed the room for some reason. Well, and what you could know? you possibly do at this it, point Exactly, where you would need that kind of a setup? Um, I, I think it's a really exciting time it's, to it's be a, a musician. It's important to preserve that kind of setup for right. sure. Like that's really important to me because Every time I've recorded to tape, it sounded a thousand times better and just felt more, you know, like I was in the room. But here's the thing that that dawned on me recently. Um, And I'm I'm watching all these kids because, you know, I'm in the high school. Mm -hmm. I see these kids recording tracks on their iPhones. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. Yeah. Um, And it, it really hit me that some of the greatest recordings that have ever been made have been just a couple of mics in a room. Oh my know? God. Arguably the best. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think about some of those Zeppelin tracks, the, uh-huh. the, the Bonham recording, it's like an overhead or two overheads and a, and a yeah. kick. And that's the whole setup. Yeah. You know, um, some of my favorite recordings are horrible quality, yeah. but the performance has to be so good that it transcends the quality of the recording. The, what, the, what was that first White Stripes song, the Fell in Love with a Girl or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And it was just him and her, and sh- they recorded like a shitty tape recorder. Mm-hmm. It sound, and it was on the radio. It was on K-Rock for oh, fucking yeah. ever when we were kids. And I just remember thinking, like, when I heard that, I was just like, God, like, just press record and go and just see what the fuck happens. Like, I mean, that's really... And I hadn't recorded anything up until that point. I was, you know, yeah. mostly... I don't know if I had, maybe, I don't know, but nothing like... What Not I... in, like, a studio no. and all of that. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, I, I had a similar kind of um, start on the four-track recorder, you know, and it, it those, some of those recordings are so horrible that I hope they never, ever get out. Yeah. Um, They're listenable, but, though, like in your in your dark times with a pillow. I do that sometimes. I, no, I, these are really I got bad. Some, yeah. I got some really real bad. fucking depressing honkers. Uh. <laughs> like, and just like, it's like finding your old poetry book from right, high school right. and you're like, oh, I was a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely have those. Yeah. But I'm more talking just like the performance is terrible and it's all kind of rushed and, um, oh, yeah. You know, out of tune, and and uh, you'll always go be able to go back. Every everything I've ever recorded, I wanted to fix. I mean, and that's I think that's part of uh, what we do is that we're never happy with what we have, what we've created. It's always got to be a little bit better, and that's what keeps people doing it. Oh, you know, more and more and more. Is you're gonna record that next album is gonna be better than this one. You yeah, know? that's what you like. I even boil it down to just musicianship, like. I equate being a musician to being a stand-up a lot, 
because yeah. of because of the travel and the lukewarm receptions and the weird you know places yeah. and Louis C.K. said something. He said like you have to carterize the wound. He was talking about like I saw something where it was like a panel with him, and he he said he opens with his with his best joke, you know, because he like digs. You have to dig yourself a hole to get out of, you know. So and that's that's kind of that's all it is is just always trying to keep an edge, and with your musicianship, like I I let my chops slip every time I get home, but when I mm-hmm. get back on the road. My chops, like, they grow into whatever gig I'm doing. Like, if I'm going out with Sugar Ray, I'll end up playing to fit that vibe. But, like, when I'm home, my chops, I I, I play really loud in here. And my neighbors were really nice about it. They actually like it. That's funny. And uh, That's rare. But yeah, that's it's funny. rare. But, they, you know, I, I have some pretty fucking cool neighbors, except they're one a couple of doors down. But, uh, yeah, he's a real cunt. But the neighbors, like, are nice. And they, you know, and they're just like, well, at home you only play for 15 minutes at a time, which is true. I did, right. I played 15 minutes really loud, play all my pedals all the way on, and then just release and just play for 15 minutes, and then I'm done till like the next day. Sometimes it, it makes me think of um, one of the guys that was a huge influence for me when I was just starting out. You know, it, it was one of the guys that um, I, I couldn't carry a tune i was terrible mm-hmm. and i somehow got cast as the lead in greece in high school oh shit yeah so no pressure right oh, no and uh well, who did you play zuko yeah i was zuko god was, damn it oh, you were zuko oh so bad uh, it was the worst nicking it but i don't know about right? zooks yeah well fucking zooks that tells you uh the uh singing quality level of the, uh, the cast if i ended up in that well role. that one's not the old old summer nights is oh pretty yeah fucked up oh, i was we... just thinking of like grease lightning's not hard to sing and no. i was like oh wait there's fucking the one where he goes way up right right and the, and in the the play there's a lot worse there's some really high songs and oh really yeah it's bad um <laughs> but how'd it go it was terrible it was do you have a video of it uh, no yeah you fucking do you <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> um i got a video of me in a little shop of horror somewhere oh no who were you i was uh were you seymour i was not seymour i didn't sing yet but my theater teacher wanted me to be in the play mr abry at at poly high school he wanted me to be in the play and i was like i don't sing and he's like well we'll write you a part so they wrote me as, as like an additional street urchin like okay. the, the, the girls outside the dancers right the the the, uh, the two girls from martin whatever right right they i was like a homeless friend of theirs that was constantly <laughs> scratching himself and like drinking. That's hilarious. And then we also, he had like the crack. Oh yeah. <laughs> withdrawals. I, I, a, I played a fucking mean crackhead <laughs> and uh, I was killing it. And then, uh, the, uh, um, I had to play another part cause they wrote in the dentist scene. So I was the masochistic oh, okay. dental patient, the oh, Bill cool. Murray character from yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wrote it in, but I played it <laughs> way more flamboyant. Of course. It was a fucking amazing, like, I, I interrupted your story again. because No, got, that's uh, okay. Go on. I, uh, the, the idea of, of uh, you know, woodshedding when you're, when you're not playing, you, you're never going to reach that point where you are so good that you feel like you're never going to, you can go out and play. I mean, you, I, I've never been to that point. Where, where you felt you were so good that you could just play? I can just go out and play. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm always reaching for the next thing. Yeah, of course. And like a video, uh, I always think a video game sucks once you beat it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, what are you gonna switch it to hard level now yeah. or expert? I mean, because and that's the thing. But is you know the story. Well, there's already. no end to what music can do. Like there's, right. it's a complete ocean. You, there's no place you can't like try to go. The thing I am curious about is is uh, how did you get started in all this? Like, was there a moment where you thought? I have to do this. What do you mean by all this? Like music. Okay, I thought you were talking Be- about the, the prostitution or the No, drugs. no, that, that all kind of comes on its own. No, I'm not more, man. How did you get sucked into this world? Um, because I, for most people, there's like a moment. I had a couple moments that I... I my uh, very first moment was as a kid, I saw Marty McFly. That's pretty dope. Uh, yeah. yeah, I saw Marty McFly with the red Freddie King 335. And or three, I don't know what it was. It was a three thirty-five or a, the guitar players will fucking kick, kick my yeah, ass for that. It's one of the three numbers. But uh, it, uh, I saw that I, I grew up in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair really when I was a kid. Yeah, I did not know because I, I had a, a like a hip problem. Oh, 
I did too, actually. Did I had you? the braces like Forrest Gump. Uh, yeah, I, I had braces, yeah. Yeah, man. I had a bar between my legs. I don't know what the hell and these that, doctors were doing. It was called a vascular necrosis. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was uh, It was the 80s, one of those 80s things. Like, <laughs> the doctor's like, hey, let's fucking see if we make him wear this for eight years and see what it does Sadistic to his brain. bastards, right? So... <laughs> Uh, I, I, <laughs> that and the leeches, you know. But, yeah, the they fixed me right up. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I, I didn't know, like, you know, I, I didn't go out and like play a lot, like as like a normal kid sometimes, because I was in a fucking chair or like the crutches or the or brace. But um, so I, I remember seeing uh, Back to the Future and Marty McFly like saving the day with the guitar. Yeah. It was just like because without that scene, he would have disappeared. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was fucking. He was playing for his life, dog. Exactly. And uh, it was fucking. It was. It was a pivotal moment for me. I, let me try that sentence again. It was a pivotal moment for me. I think. And then, uh, years later, I didn't start playing till years later though. But uh, I was on. I my dad used to go to Lake Havasu sometimes. Right. I, I like a like a river rat you know dad for a while who just hung out at the fucking lake every weekend and i used to hate it when i was a kid oh it's hot as shit it's hot as shit and i'm a fat kid and it's just like (laughs) fat people in the sand and it's hot and your dad's in a boat and it's fucking i I used to fucking hate it but i used to go and um i never had fun because i had complete social anxiety i'd never like there'd be like my dad and his friends and i i I, you know it's not like i was moping all the time i'm sure i had like giggle times and laughed at shit right i think i was my my takeaway memory is that it was like oh fucking it's hot and shitty right right but i grew up going out there like every month we would Mm -hmm. be out there Mm -hmm. even in the winter Mm-hmm. You know, we were out in Laughlin. It's fucking hot. It's, oh yeah, you're not when supposed it's like to live there. That's triple digits. Universe telling you a story. Get the fuck out of there, dude. <laughs> uh, so, the, and also, don't put a London Bridge there so more right. people come. <laughs> um, the uh, um, I, we were driving home from Havasu, and is when I just started. I decided I wanted to play guitar. Was we were listening to my dad had a like a best of BB King CD or something. Oh, it and uh, we were listening to, um, it was, now I know what it was at the time. I, it took me years to find out what it was, but it was live at Cook County Jail. Oh, nice. How Blue Can You Get? Mm-hmm. There's a solo, there's a note he took, note, there's a note he played that when I was a kid felt like it lasted like hours. Hmm. And it was just so perfectly placed. And then the band you know, reaction to it was just, they were just, everyone screamed. They all knew he just fucking destroyed. Right. And it was just one of those moments caught on tape where you're just like, God damn, that's brilliant. And I just, I just, I I needed to play guitar. Like I had to fucking figure out how to fucking play guitar. That's cool, man. Yeah. And then some friends of mine had a, had like a kind of pop punk kind of band, you know, alternative rock band. Of course. And, uh, and I for, for me it was like the ska era. Yeah, 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 yeah. Know? Like skeletons and yeah. Like yeah, I grew dig. up with all those guys. Yeah, dig. Well, like it was out but here. Same, in, same animal. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it was teenage, a, you know, mm-hmm. up tempo. And by then, I, I I was I was I was living at the Inland Empire. I was out of San Gabriel Valley for a while because um, I grew up around there, and I moved out with my dad when I was a teenager out to Riverside. And the, my friends of mine had this band. They were called the Counterfeit Pennies. That's a good name. It's a fucking great band name. It still is. Like, like what? Why? What are you doing? What are you doing? Fucking Penny. Oh, uh, they were fucking <laughs> fucking great. And um, the, the lead singer Alex was, was my best friend in school, and uh, and uh, Trevor Monks was the drummer. And I, I used to go hang out at their rehearsals. Like every after after school, every day they'd fucking we'd go to like Trevor's house or something, and they'd fucking rehearse and like. I just sit there watching them. I remember asking them one time something that made them laugh, but I, and I didn't know why. I said, I asked them, just I, I just said like, why do you guys have to have so much distortion on your guitars? Right. <laughs> I said that like, just yeah, just curious, sincere, genuine curiosity, and the entire room exploded in laughter. Like, ha ha, man, that's you know. And I was like, well, no, really, why? Really, why? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, um. Because it was an alternative rock band. I, that's when right. I started. 
I, 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 I was, so the moment I started playing that made me like want to start fucking like that I actually did it was not long after the BB King thing. And Alex's parents rented, uh, this like, uh, condo thing on the water in like Balboa. And it was at the boardwalk and they were standing on this balcony mm-hmm. where, where we stayed overlooking the boardwalk on the beach. And they were playing like Weezer covers and right. like Our Lady Peace or whatever the fuck, you know. As you do. As you know, yeah, exactly. And it it was all, you know, fine. Um, and it was great. But the audience, like there was, there was no audience. People just walking by and then people started to- stopping and there was an audience. And I just remember thinking like, fuck, I want that kind of like, it was almost like a self-hate feeling too. Like, I, why do I want that affection so badly? Right. Why do I, why is my favorite... Uh, and there's a through line through all of this, and it mm-hmm. was, it was the, my hammy nature that I need to fucking I seek the approval of an audience. Like it's right. a sad existence. It's no, it, it really is. Um, yeah, and that's that's what a lot of people. There's a through line. Don't most people them. don't get that. That if you are a performer, yeah, whether it's but musicians have it the worst, I think. Um, there Stand-ups is that. Maybe, yeah, more more than musicians because it's so much more cerebral. Yeah, maybe. You know, and you're actually using opinions and shit. Like, yeah, maybe. But I think, um, and and you probably feel this too. If you don't gig, maybe once a month, you start going a little nutty. Oh, I go fucking insane after yeah. a week. Yeah, and and my wife has literally said, "Isn't there a jam or something you can go to?" There used to be. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not anymore. But there used no, to be I... fucking six, seven nights a week, dude. And I, I think for me, the turning point, because I was a theater kid too, and I actually went and got um, got my bachelor's in theater, uh, which most people don't have a clue that I have any of that background. I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, yeah. I ended up forsaking the theater part for music because the, the, um, the exchange was more immediate and it was more lasting. Like you do a play after a month, that shit is gone, mm-hmm. you know? And you may have a video of it, but it is never the same. No. Watching a video, it's awkward at best. It, it's awkward at best. Mm-hmm. But if I learn to play music and I write songs, I can go out and perform tonight. I can go out and perform tomorrow yeah. and for the rest of my life as long as I'm able to do it. Yeah. Um, and you can do it different every night. And yes. And, and that give and take... Is immediate. And I don't have to yeah. wait a month for it to happen. Yeah, nah. um, and that's part of why I made that switch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Um, so just out of curiosity, what was your first instrument? Uh, baritone. Tu- really? Tuba. Oh no, I meant like your first guitar. But that's oh. good too. Baritone <laughs> tuba. You see, playing like the school band. Yeah, it was fourth grade. Uh, I started playing drums in the fourth grade. That yeah, was like too. the first instrument I took seriously. And then now, which drum I, did you play? I played the kit. Oh, you played kit? Yeah, I played kit. Oh, damn! Yeah. Look out! <laughs> yeah, I was and I was a snare drummer. You were a snare drummer? Yeah, okay. they put all the squirrely kids on the snares. Well, this wasn't like drumline. This was like fourth grade. No, like, that's what I'm saying. You know, and they only I think only put me on the kit because I could count to four. Like that's, that's literally funny. all it was. Yeah, there was no kit. Yeah, at, at my middle school. Dig. Okay. It was, it was just you. Each of you gets a drum. I just didn't want to be the bastard on cymbals. Yeah, that's a yeah. real piece of shit. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that guy At sucks. least if I'm the like bass drummer, I'm like Yeah, you're the heartbeat. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to play cymbals. That and guy's the, heavy that guy's shit. the cold sore. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I started as well. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I I started I started playing bar- baritone tuba at, uh, at first and then it was real obvious like I was not going to be able to read and then I tried like a, a sax and my made my mouth hurt. Yeah. And I didn't like it. It was, it was, rough, it was heavy. For years, I had a little it. spot on my lip. Yeah. It was like a, a blood blister from playing sax. Yeah. And I didn't play for more than about three, four a months. A lot of cats got little bubbles in the in bottom and under their lip. Yeah, Like man. a lot of cats I know got little shit going on in the mouth parts. Yes. But uh, at, well, I, I, just, I, I started playing guitar seriously at like 13, 14. And I was... I was about on tour, like, yeah, like really quickly after that. Cause I, a guitar made sense to me. I like the shapes and I could, I could line them up and it felt 
right? And I felt like I had, I, I felt like I found like what my voice sounded like. So what was your first guitar? Then? My first guitar was, oh man, I stole 20 bucks from my dad. <laughs> and then I, then I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I got some money some other way. I might have sold weed. I don't know what I did. But I, I was... As I, one does. I, I made... I think my dad might have gave me another 20 that I that I asked him for. But I, it was a pawn shop in Montana. I bought it over here off across from Music Mike's in Riverside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the, the pawn shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was thinking Lear's, but Music Mike's was Lear's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was Cooper's when I, yes. when I first moved in. Yes. Um... But, uh, yeah, that was my first guitar, 60 bucks, 70 bucks. Do you remember what it was? Montana Acoustic. Oh, it was a Montana. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the, uh, I know nothing about the brand. It was sure, sure it's, you know, yeah. uh, whoever knows what. But it was my first, like, actual bodied guitar. Yeah. Like, I had, like, a play, like, a play, like, one, one of the ones you buy on the border in TJ. Right. Like, one of the toy guitars. That's, I had. That's that was my, that right. was my first, first guitar, but first playable guitar was that Montana right. thing. And then Probably I, hard as hell to play too. Yeah, it was a bitch. But I, I start when I started playing. I played it like a lap steel, right. like on my like, and I just played the low E string with my thumb. Oh, okay. Because I was just trying to figure out just positioning, and then, and then like. Friends of mine were like, "Why don't you just play bass, dude? We need a bass player, probably. Why don't you just play bass?" I got put in the bass and as I, well, and I was like, "I don't really like wanna at all play bass. Those strings are huge." You know, yeah, like, and <laughs> now I'm like, I like playing bass, but it's fun. You know, it's fun, but I'm not. But there's a, bass a reason. Player. There's a reason bass players are bass players. Yeah, exactly. You know, they they definitely it's are in a you, different dude. breed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, cool. The Montana yeah. acoustic. Mo Montana acoustic is. I'm sure right. that you could there you could find them online for hundred bucks, but I paid seventy in a pawn shop once. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I uh, I did yard sale for me. I, oh, nice yard yeah. sale, sweet. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a classic one. The uh, I destroyed that guitar. Really? Yeah. When I got because I hated playing it. Oh. So when I got the next step up, the the next guitar, which I don't know, forgot what it was, but it was another acoustic. I made a point to we're we're at my my homie Trevor Monk's house, his mom's house at the time, you know his house, and we're playing around i say hey man i got a new guitar They're like what are you gonna do with the old one i was like fuck this thing yeah and i fucking the hoot it all over the backyard nice and it felt really good cathartic it was really good but instantly trevor's mom runs out of the house screaming like and i wasn't allowed back there for like years really yeah. because of that yeah i think that was I think it was pretty heavy. Like I, she was not a fan of me. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, it was yours. Well, I was having a violent outburst in her. There's a minor having a violent outburst in her backyard. I mean, Why would I she guess. want her kid back? I get it. I, I, was, <laughs> I suppose. Um, Objectively, I was a nuisance. <laughs> I lost a really nice uh, con C O N N nylon string acoustic guitar. Yeah, it rough. just felt like butter in my hand. It's a piece of shit guitar, but it felt great. And uh, an ex of mine got it. And uh, I had a couple exes throw guitars downstairs and fucking, <laughs> like, I had a, a girl break it over the couch. Oh, shit. I had, it broke the fucking neck right off the thing. Um, Damn, dude. You have girl, definitely dated some uh, aggressive folk. Yeah, I, well, fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's got to make you appreciate um, where you're at now. I like, well... You know. Yeah, sure. I mean, Jade's a, my wife, Jade. She's fucking amazing. She's never hit me or anything. Super talented. She's incredible. Yeah, it, it's like a like a like a Tiger Woods, right? Playing and he's just like, well, he's just naturally gonna fucking kill this. It's amazing to watch. Yeah. You someone know. with like actual born talent, like not someone that just worked. Like I chipped away at my shit. You I know what I mean? Same. And someone who's got raw, like, you sound like you. Wow. Like, that's fucking incredible to sound unique and good. It's rare. Yeah. Especially yeah. nowadays. I mean, yeah. there, I don't feel like there are uh, a lot of trenches where people can go in and hone their craft. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of dried yeah. up. Yeah, that's know? a really good point. I, I was talking to a student of mine about that, about how, like, he's he was having, um, uh, he was wanting to play out more, and I was like, "Well, go to a jam." You know, I, and I, I didn't know his what his area was like, and he's like, "There aren't any." I was like, "When I was a kid, every fucking night you can go somewhere and play, you know." And and it and it showed you uh, where your chops were. You could 
you know hang out with the cats and meet everybody and have musical conversations with people way above your pay grade or right. and, and sometimes some ideas. sometimes way below right. but they're fucking always fucking great cats usually you know usually the the, the real assholes are like the guys who are pretty good right, right. <laughs> yeah i i think you posted something on the facebook a while back that what? um the people who um some, I'm trying to remember how it goes, but like the people who think they're good are usually not very good. Oh, yeah. And the I people a, that think they're not very if you, good. If you think you're good, you suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it was. But I, I have like a tier, like a tier system with like dealing like with, with like musicians. I find this, and I've said this to students of mine too, like that, like guys who are, who are just terrible, terrible musicians you know objectively just like you're not you know you're just not a fucking great player or not a fucking great drummer or whatever you know but you're they're usually fucking awesome dudes well just the sweetest guys in the world and then yeah there are guys who are pretty good and they know it yeah so that kind of cunty yeah and they fucking you know play dress up and get bitchy and shit yes not 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 i wasn't talking about dress up with with uh, your old man i wasn't saying that oh, i'm not talking about you but i was talking about oh, someone whatever. else in my head i'll take it i know i, I, I was talking honestly, about someone else in my head honestly that yeah i i i can't i've told you this already but i was um i was very fortunate that that sort of thing took off yeah but man i was really glad to put it to rest oh for sure it's like because you're putting on a show you're not yeah i wasn't being mean and yeah. and that was really hard and you you if you look at the stuff i've been there i've done that for the last six years or so it's it's because i didn't have that creative outlet as myself that i started these other projects outburst to get that whatever i was missing and it was a lot of fun but i'm having that kind of fun but it's it's there's a sincerity now that no um, i dig but i'm with you man i hated them well the the third type are the guys who are fucking dope right and they have nothing to prove. Yeah, they do. So they're fucking chill. Yeah. Like, uh, one, like, one of my favorite things that's happened to, like, in that sense was O'Teal Burbridge. You know O'Teal Burbridge? Mm-hmm. He played bass with the Allman Brothers. Okay, yeah, And yeah. then he was also with the uh, Tedeschi Trucks band. Yes. Uh, but now I don't, I, don't I, I think he's, now he's with Dead and Company, I think. That would make yeah. sense. Um, but. That's a good gig. Yeah, it is. But uh, I was playing Doheny Blues Festival, and uh, he everyone's coming up to him after their set or like you know before their set, going like taking pictures with him, being right. fucking office. And I I did too because I fucking love him, and I just wanted to shake his hand and tell him how fucking brilliant he was because he's a genius on the right. ba- on the bass. He's a fucking he's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I um, now did you sound stupid when you talked to him? Uh, probably. Because every time I I've so. talked to someone like that, yeah. I, I always look back and I go, what the hell was I thinking? Well, this kind of broke me. Later on in the day, he, he broke me of that, which is kind of like the point of what I'm saying. is like he or later on in the day, the meters, the, the, fuck, the meters yes. are playing. And um, and uh, Russell Batiste, it was uh, the guitar player, uh, right. Stoltz. Um, and uh, it was uh, George Porter Jr. and Art Neville playing. And I'm standing side stage watching the wow. fucking meters. And O'Teal hits me on the shoulder because I met him earlier in the day. Right. And he hits me on the shoulder and I was like, what? And he goes, can you fucking believe this? And I just like all apprehension just melted. And I was like, I know, dude, right? Like, yeah. because I was like, God, you're a god to a lot of these people. Right. And it just reminded me that like, meanwhile, like, like there's other cats like like John Fogarty will just fucking hang out in his dressing room while other bands are playing. Yes. yes. And it just was like it just reminded me of that moment. I was Most like, of mental the big note. Name guys are like that. Yeah, but I just made a mental note that I was like, you have to fucking stay a musician or artist. a human being. Yeah, you know? just a fucking cat. Dude. I'll tell you what, man. I did a lot of opening slots when we were first starting that project um, for mid-level guys, uh-huh. um, a lot of blues guys, and. The only one that ever mentioned us as an opener uh, was Coco Montoya. Dude. And that was at that Lemon Festival. And I'm like, that dude is dope. Yeah. Because I always try and, you know, give some love if somebody's open for me or mm-hmm. if there's a guest or if there was a band that was just on. Um, you know, you always want to bring it back to them. Coco's always been fucking super cool, man. Super cool, super talented. Super cool to me. I love Coco. 
If for some reason you ever hear this, Coco Montoya, I love you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll <laughs> get him I'll, on I'll, it at I'll some point. It, I'll send it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your funniest moment you can think of in this biz? Funniest moment? I um, Like the most outrageous thing or the... the Oh man! I know there's probably a million of them. Yeah, no, there's not. There's not that many. There's uh, I, 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 I sleptwalked. Oh. I, I sleepwalked. How do you okay. slept? How do you past tense sleepwalk? Sleptwalked. Sleepwalked. I sleepwalked. There sure. you go. We did it. So, um, I, I sleepwalked, and we we were we were doing a gig in Utah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> We we're playing like a strawberry festival or something in Utah, and uh, I guess it depends on which part of Utah you go to. I, think, I don't know where the fuck it was. I, I have really no idea. I've had I've had a couple of really cool gigs in Salt Lake, but I mean Salt Lake's a city. But uh, anyways, we we were sleeping on the bus this night because we had a bus that had like uh, twelve bunks in it, and it was like air conditioned. It was fucking each had a TV. And so it shit. ain't sleeping in the van. No, this was this was the first bus gig I had ever done, and I was just it was fucking amazing to me and i velcroed my ipad to the roof of my bunk Dope. so i just like watched netflix and shit <laughs> like until that shit not, falls not, on not, you not, uh, yeah it was just with the ipad i got the very first ipad and we had wi-fi on the bus and it was fucking rad that's crazy but uh the uh uh we were playing in utah and i somewhere in utah and i started walking up and down the aisle of the bus mm-hmm. okay my bunk was on the bottom and i started walking up and down the aisle and i was farting my sleep i'm sure they appreciated that oh they loved it so uh <laughs> the bass player chris white was there at the time who I, i'm sure you you might know i don't know yeah. if you know chris white he uh uh so i'm just walking back and forth i i didn't know anything i'm asleep i was told this and then he goes i he, he gets up and i'm walking like mid-level to like their note like right. the mid the guys in the mid bench right. are getting they're you're crop dusting. Right up Main Street. So, like, <laughs> Chris gets up. He's in the middle row. And he gets up and goes and opens the bus door just to get air in, I guess. Oh, my God. Because everyone's asleep. Apparently, I'd been doing it for a minute. So, that maybe they didn't notice or something. I'm fucking gassy, dog, apparently. <laughs> and he opens the door. And I feel the cold air. And I just start walking towards it. And I go outside. And I woke up. In a fucking uh, in the field right outside the bus. What? And there's fucking llamas out there. They make like a like yeah. thing. And I was confused as fuck. And I get back on the bus. And everyone's laughing their fucking ass off. That's crazy. That was how one. old were you? I was like this was two eight, weeks ago. 18, 19 or something. <laughs> no, no, it was what was the? Yeah, I was. I was when I was early in the gig. I was. I was. I was young. Early twenties at the latest. But like. Um, Oh, the uh, other fucked up one was I. Uh, we put on this festival because we had a bus, so we, we we traveled with our own fucking like whole sound stage. Right. So we were also the only like roadies, so we we're fucking loading and tearing down every fucking gig, as like an outdoor. We were like traveling outdoor festivals. Right. Like every town we'd come to, like towns that would never have a fucking festival, and just we'd make a stage. And have one, and we let's it was, put on a show. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, it was it was cool, um, but uh, like uh, we had guests like Bobby Rush did a couple with us, what? and like Billy Branch did did a couple. Carl Weathersby did a bunch. I, I spent time with him, a lot of time with Carl, and uh, Sherman Robertson was my favorite one. Day. Oh, Not I like my favorite, Sherman. but I mean like the one I spent the most time with. Right. He, he was like one of my real early mentors. So I t- I did like four years with him on that with him uh, doing that review. And uh, we were playing in Laramie, Wyoming, outside the Buckhorn Bar. We closed off the street, and the bus is blocking this one like alleyway. Okay. And we're we put the stage right up against the back of the bus, right up against the side of the bus. So that wherever there was a bus, where that's the cool thing about the bus is you immediately had a backdrop. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So just shove the stage against the bus and fucking play. And we did this all over the place, and. Um, this one time, there were, the the next day we were going to do another gig, mm-hmm. and there was going to be music all day. They were going to use our gear, so the option was we. It was like midnight or twelve thirty, and we're outside in Laramie, Wyoming, and they said, "All right, here's the options, because the hotel's about a mile away. We can pack all this shit up right now, go to the hotel, 
and go to sleep and wake up again at 6 a.m. And load it all up again, set it all up. Or someone can stay here with it. Right. And I was always the fucking dude who fucking had to do this thing. Like, I was... when I was really now, I'm not like that. But I was when I was younger, I would always nominate myself. To, I'll do the shitty thing. Yeah, right. I was young. I wanted to like you know yeah. prove, prove myself and like and um, so I slept on the uh, next to the kick drum on stage. We left everything completely set up, all the huh. amps, everything, and I slept there. And uh, around, I got my blanket from my bunk, a pillow. Mm-hmm. And I, I slept wearing, like, sweats and, like, a T-shirt. Right. And uh, it was summertime, so it wasn't, like, ice-cold freezing. Right. Um, and I wake up at, like, 8.30 in the morning. And all the tables and chairs in front of the stage, uh, I, I wake up and I open my eyes, and they're all now full of people having a, pan- a pancake breakfast. <laughs> the entire... The bus, the bus <laughs> is gone. What? I'm just there... With a blanket and a pillow. This is a God's honest truth. And they're having breakfast. I wake up and I look out in the audience and I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Like, my ass crack was out. Like, I was sleeping like, awesome. sleeping like a slob. <clears throat> and I just kind of gathered my pillow and blanket and just kind of, fe- uh, like, the, the hotel was like a mile away, but we were, like, on a corner. So if I walked a little bit, I could see where the hotel was. They drove the bus they away with you asleep? They drove the bus away asleep? with me asleep. The cops came and said, you got to move this bus. It's a, it's a uh, whatever hazard. Right, right. You know? They didn't think to wake you up? They did not think to wake me up. <laughs> and I got back to the, to, the, to the hotel. And again... They're all fucking laughing. Of course. They're having a fucking great time. They just they just came from breakfast. Of course. They watched me sleep and ate at breakfast. At the pancake breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck it. I mean, you know, I got calluses because of all this shit. <laughs> Dude, you you are a sleeper. Yeah, I sleep real fucking hard. You got like to when, sleep when hard. Like, when I need to sleep, a I need to fucking sleep. A bus drove away, and you didn't hear it. Didn't hear shit. I didn't hear 300 people gather for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so a little something for the gearheads. We're just doing it real quick because we're, we're uh, running a little long. Um, what's what's your main guitar that you go to? Like, you walk out here, what's the thing you pick up first? 78 uh, Les Paul Custom is Chloe right here. Okay, so that's the one you've been... <clears throat> that's the one I've been on the last couple of years. Um, I, I, I've, I always say nothing will beat a vintage Gibson, but I can never afford one. Right. You know, and uh, I have friends who are like vintage Gibson, like collectors. I just can't fathom. That just ain't for me, man. I can't I... fathom... Use I'm so I'm too poor <laughs> to even think about that being a thing. Right, right. Like that's some park place shit, dog. I'm on Baltic, homie. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you've been to my place. I have a lot of instruments. Yeah, you do, but you don't but have none of them are expensive. Yeah, they're not high end like crazy no, shit. You know? No, they're all like just out of the beginner stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I might like mod them a little bit. That's because so that's that... all you need is to mod an intermediate guitar. Right, right. You know, you know, and I've I've been pretty lucky to find some really nice instruments that play well. Yeah. That aren't expensive. Um, so I, I've been super thrilled with that. But yeah, dude, I I'm, I lucked I'm with the, you I lucked out hard on this thing because it was given to me. Um, really. A couple years ago, I have a very good friend named Sherry, and she's an old, old friend of mine. I've known her since I was a kid. And uh, she owns a tow yard in Vegas. Okay. And um, so she had this uh, this guitar case, this up here, this plastic one up here. Oh, yeah. That's it looks a, like a gun case. Yeah, those are a really clear indicator of like a really good Gibson. Okay. If it's got that old, that's the old plastic one from the 70s and All early right. 80s. But uh, she pulled that case out, and I, I saw the Gibson on the case, and I was like, whoa, I know what year that's going to be. Is right. it real? Because there's a lot of Gibsons in Vegas. Right, yeah. And, like, ev- everywhere, but, like, especially, like, yeah. So she opens it up, and the thing is, like, fucked up and mangled. Like, the neck's, right. the neck's twisted. It's almost unplayable. All the hardware's fucking all crazy, like, just weird like jutted into the body like so um she's like and i look at the back of the headstock and the serial number scratched off oh so we're like oh fuck it's real 
Yeah. Who would scratch off the serial number of a fucking fake? And I was like, okay. And I opened the back up, and they had the old military caps, the big metal right. thing, canisters things. My, my, actually, Greg Tinsley did that. And, right. You know, he told me, he told. I don't want to act like I know anything about that. <laughs> he no, told me that. Greg, I take Greg all my stuff as well. Greg's brilliant. Yeah. He just he just worked on this this thing again. But he's, he's he brought her like back, and he's like. But anyway, Sherry was like, "Would you want it?" Yeah. And I was like, "Well, yeah." And yeah. she's like, okay, I have no use for it. And it, it. Apparently, it had been sitting in the back seat oh. of a car in her lot in Vegas for three years. I guess they didn't want it. Well, they didn't want it, but they didn't want but it, it was because... But it was in the heat in... In the heat, probably why it three was summers. Ooh, three in summers Vegas. in Vegas in a back seat. Which is, which is like Havasu without the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's fucking awful, so... It was completely unplayable. Anyways, that's why uh, I, I that's why the serial number being scratched off came to mind. I'm like, oh well, someone fucking yeah, someone stole it, did that, and then had their shit repoed. Yeah, and then you can't chase your car no, down no. because it's got stolen property right, in it. Right. So <laughs> she it was this was years. So it's like I don't know. She's like I don't know the fucking owner. I don't know what the fuck up, but yeah. uh, we reported it, and uh, no, it just is empty. Right. So fucking take How it. How would you ever trace it? It's Yeah, exactly. It's untraceable at this point. So I, I, I've been taking it all over the fucking planet for fucking well, I see you played a years. lot. Well, hey, man, um, this has been awesome. I will sit and do this all night, um, but at some point we're going to have to stop the recorder. That's right. Um, <laughs> But hey, I want to thank you for uh, taking some time and thank inviting you, me into the hippie cave. And, thank you uh, for coming, dog. Anytime. This has been our final episode of season one of Fix It in the Mix. Special thanks to all of our guests who took their time to come in or invite me into their uh, personal space to do these shows. If you like what you heard, please uh, subscribe. And uh, please check out the other shows that we have on the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network. We will be back in a few months with an all-new season with all-new guests. But in the meantime, be good to each other, stay safe, stay healthy, and support local independent artists. Fix It in the Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It in the Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit spinwizcomics.com.